Hello, this is Vladimir, and you listen to Agent Case Podcast, Season 2, Episode 7, Beauty in Our Environment, Recording Date, Friday, May 27th, 2022. Please enjoy. Hello, and welcome to this week's podcast titled Beauty in Our Environment. This podcast is one in a series of podcasts designed to help you age with grace. I'm D.G. Linton Gridley, founder and administrator of Aging with Grace. Aging with Grace is a company that helps people to age with grace by helping them to age in place by providing non-medical help and services in homes and medical and health-promoting help and services at the Fountain of Youth Clubhouse, which is state-licensed as an adult daytime health care center. We also offer geriatric care management and case management. We are providers for the Medicaid home and community-based waiver. As you know, aging begins at birth. Aging with grace begins when we are born too. The health we enjoy when we are older is a culmination of inherited factors and lifelong decisions and circumstances. I have designed a visual aid called the Flower of Health as a guide to help us make good decisions concerning our health. This episode is going to focus on how beauty can help us be healthier. Last week's podcast focused on our personal beauty and how that is important so that we feel good about socializing with others. Socializing with others is good for our health. I forgot to mention in last week's podcast episode that smiling and standing up straight makes us look so much more attractive and makes us feel better about ourselves. When you are walking beside a window, glance over and check out your posture. As we get older, we have a tendency to let our heads drop forward and our shoulders slump over and our stomachs stick out. You can fix that by doing strength training exercises and being conscious of how you're holding your head and your body. It will help your balance to have better posture and you may even find that you have more energy. I started noticing my poor posture in pictures. My head was jutting forward and I looked as if I was tired. I ordered a couple of braces that were supposed to help me stand up straighter, but they really didn't work because they were so uncomfortable that I didn't want to wear them. I gave myself a weight training routine to build up my shoulders and back strength, and I'm still doing the routine about once a week. It's been a couple of years since I started the routine. Also, I tried to be more conscious of my posture. I looked at my reflection in store windows as I was walking, and more often than not, I caught myself not standing up straight. But my posture is getting better, and it will probably be a lifelong pursuit, having better posture, I mean. It is good for us to be mindful of our postures and to work to improve it. Smiling has been shown to improve our mood even when we are in a bad mood. Just the act of moving our mouths into a smile makes us feel better. Try it. Most people look their best when they are smiling. It doesn't have to be a toothy grin. Just a pleasant little smile can change your attitude. Think Mona Lisa. And when you smile at people, they usually smile back. Try it. I often notice when I'm in a room with older people that not many of them are smiling. It's not that they are unhappy. It's just that they're not making the effort to look happy. It takes conscious thought. I know you're probably thinking of Alfred P. Newman from the mad magazines of our youth who used to say, what? Me, worry? But don't worry, no one's going to think that you're an idiot because you are smiling all the time. Besides, if they do, so what? At our age, we have learned that people can think whatever they want. It doesn't matter. It's what people say and do that counts. 
Hopefully, people say they're going to do a good thing and then do the good thing. Besides, a smile never hurt anyone, and it's free. The beauty I want to focus on this week is also free. It is the beauty that we see in our environment. Beauty is all around us if we look for it, especially this time of year, the end of May. It's true that the weather hasn't been as beautiful here as other springs here have been, but the flowers and the green leaves are just as pretty. I like to go for a walk in my favorite neighborhoods and look at the lovely landscaping people have done in their yards. I like to go on hikes in nearby state parks and enjoy the beauty of nature. When I am at home, I often put on a beautiful nature video on my big screen TV. I also love to watch nature documentaries. Sometimes I walk to the clubhouse and try to notice something beautiful. Sometimes it's more challenging than others, but I can always find something that is beautiful in the environment on my walk to the clubhouse. Sometimes it's another person that I see on my walk, or a pet dog, or a bird, or a butterfly. The trick is to have an attitude of curiosity and wonder. I'm trying to see something beautiful when I'm out for a walk. You have to look for it to find it, and finding it will make you happy. It seems to me to be similar to the feeling of gratitude. Gratitude is good for us. Research has shown that gratitude improves our mental health and physical health. Universities have done studies that show that appreciating beauty and nature improve our mental and physical health too. Having the desire to see beauty is also related to another component of the flower of health. On the flower of health, there's a bee, and the bee shown on the flower of health says, keep an open mind and always seek truth. I can't help but have an open mind full of awe and wonder when I consider all the wondrous forms of life I see in nature. And at night, looking at the moon and the stars gives me an incredible feeling of awe and humility. And it's very reassuring to me to know that it all works without any input from me at all. (laughs) I am part of the creation, but not the creator. Our next podcast will be about creating art. Art is another important factor that contributes to good health. Not only the making of it, but the viewing of it as well. Next, I'm going to go over an article. I'm going to read an article that shows that some of the re- that illustrates some of the research that has been done proving that the beauty of nature is good for health. And this is by Yale Environment 360. It's titled Eco-Psychology, How Immersion in Nature Benefits Your Health. A growing body of research points to the beneficial effects that exposure to the natural world has on health, reducing stress and promoting healing. Now policymakers, employers, and healthcare providers are increasingly considering the human need for nature and in how they plan and operate. And it's by Jim Robbins, January 9th, 2020. How long does it take to get a dose of nature high enough to make people say they feel healthy and have a strong sense of well-being? Precisely 120 minutes. In a study of 20,000 people, a team led by Matthew White of the European Center for Environment and Human Health at the University of Exeter found that people who spent two hours a week in green spaces, local parks, or other natural environments, either all at once or spaced over several visits, were substantially more likely to report good health and psychological well-being than those who don't. 
Two hours was a hard boundary. The study published last June showed there were no benefits for people who didn't meet that threshold. The effects were robust, cutting across different, different occupations, ethnic groups, people from rich and poor areas, and people with chronic illnesses and disabilities. It's well known that getting outdoors in nature can be good for people's health and well-being, but until now, we've not been able to say how much is enough, White said. Two hours a week is hopefully a realistic target for many people, especially given that it can be spread over an entire week to get the benefit. The study by White and his colleagues is only the latest in a rapidly expanding area of research that finds nature has robust effects on people's health, physically, mentally, and emotionally. When I wrote Last Child in the Woods in 2005, this wasn't a hot topic, said Richard Louvre, a journalist in San Diego whose book is largely credited with triggering this movement and who coined the term nature deficit disorder. This subject was virtually ignored by the academic world. I could, I could find 60 studies that were good studies. Now it's approaching and about to pass 1,000 studies, and they point in one direction. Nature is not only nice to have, but it's a have-to-have for physical health and cognitive functioning. These studies have shown that time in nature, as long as people feel safe, is an antidote for stress. It can lower blood pressure and stress hormone levels, reduce nervous system arousal, enhance immune system function, increase self-esteem, reduce anxiety, and improve mood. Attention deficit disorder and aggression lessen in natural environments, which also helps speed the rate of healing. In a recent study, psychiatric unit researchers found that being in nature reduced feelings of isolation, promoted calm, and lifted mood among patients. The growing body of research combined with an intuitive understanding that nature is vital and increased concerns about the exploding use of smartphones and other forms of technology has led to tipping point at which health experts, researchers, and government officials are now proposing widespread changes aimed at bringing nature into people's everyday lives. For example, researchers and policymakers now talk about park deserts in urban cities. Cities are adding or enhancing parks, and schools and other institutions are being designed with large windows and access to trees and green space, or blue space, as in an aquatic environments. Businesses are increasingly aware of the desire among employees for access to green spaces. It's needed to attract a skilled workforce, said Florence Williams, author of The Nature Fix. Young people are demanding high-quality outdoor experiences. The number of forest schools, which have long been a tradition in Scandinavia and where much of the learning takes place in natural settings in the outdoors, has mushroomed in the United States, up by 500% since 2012, according to Louvre. Oregon recently passed a ballot measure to raise money for outdoor schools, and the state of Washington just became the first state to license outdoor preschools, where much of the play and learning occurs outside. The organization Children and Nature Network, founded by Louvre and others, advocates for more time in nature for children, tracks the research, and has a long list of abstracts that summarize studies on the subject on its website. 
and the Trust for Public Lands has just finished a seven-year project to map the parks of the U.S. with the aim of identifying places in need of parkland. We've mapped 14,000 communities, 86% of the nation, and looked at who does and doesn't live within a 10-minute walk of a park, said Adrian Benepi, a senior vice president of TPL. The organization has a 10-minute walk campaign to work with mayors across the U.S. to make sure all people have that kind of access. An increasing number of health care providers are also embracing the back-to-nature paradigm. One organization, Park Rx America, founded by Robert Czar of Unity Healthcare in Washington, D.C., declares its mission to decrease the burden of chronic disease, increase health and happiness, and foster environmental stewardship by virtue of prescribing nature during the routine delivery of health care by a diverse group of health care professionals. The organization has 10,000 parks in its prescribing platform. The Global Association of Nature and Forest Therapy Guides shows clients how to use immersion in nature for healing. The forest is the therapist, the group's slogan reads, the guides open the door. Studies show that the effects of nature may go deeper than providing a sense of well-being, helping to reduce crime and aggression. A 2015 study of 2,000 people in the United Kingdom found that more exposure to nature translated into more community cohesion and substantially lower crime rates. And while most vegetation is thought to encourage crime by providing security for criminals, another study found the opposite. Vegetation abundance is associated with a reduction in assault, robbery, and burglary, although not theft. Still, many of these studies are correlational rather than causal. That means it's hard to show that natural landscapes cause these effects, though these things happen when people are in a natural environment. Sarah L. Warber, professor of family medicine at the University of Michigan, noted that there are no randomized controlled studies on the effects of nature on human health. Nonetheless, she said, there are epidemiological studies and measurements of before and after exposure to nature, and the results from this research are robust. Peter H. Kahn, a professor of psychology at the University of Washington, who has worked on these issues for decades, is encouraged by the new focus on the subject, but concerned that the growing interest in more contact with nature relies too much on only experiencing it visually. That's important, but an impoverished view of what it means to interact with the natural world, he said, we need to deepen the forms of interaction with nature and make it more immersive. What are the active ingredients in a dose of nature? Pioneers in this work, Rachel Rachel and Stephen Kaplan, who began studying this subject in the 1970s, devised attention restoration theory, which holds that paying attention in bustling cities at work or in other stressful environments requires a good deal of effortful attention. In a natural environment, however, the Kaplans found that people paid attention more broadly and in a less effortful way, which leads to far more relaxed body and mind. Japanese researchers have studied forest bathing, a poetic name for walking in the woods. They suspect aerosols from the forest, inhaled during a walk, are behind elevated levels of natural killer or NK cells in the immune system which fight tumors and infections. 
a subsequent study in which essential oils from cedars were emitted in a hotel room where people slept also caused a significant spike in NK cells. However, this growing field might be defined, it is gaining momentum. In a recent paper, 26 authors laid out a framework to create a formal role for the positive impacts nature has on mental health and to formulate a model for conserving nature in cities and integrating it into planning for those for these health effects. We have entered the urban century with two-thirds of humanity projected to be living in cities by 2050, said Gretchen Daly, director of the National Capital Project at Stanford University and a senior author of a recent paper arguing that the cognitive and emotional benefits of nature should be factored into economic ecosystem service models. There is an awakening underway today to many of the values of nature and the risks and costs of its loss. This new work can help inform investments in livability and sustainability of the world's cities. While the research has grown leaps and bounds, Kahn and others argue in a recent review paper that research into the topic is still lacking in many ways and they lay out a research agenda they say would help formalize the role of nature in public health policy. Understanding nature's therapeutic effects may be arriving at a propitious moment. Some studies have found that anxiety over climate change is a growing phenomenon. Ironically, one of the best antidotes for that might be a dose of green space. If I'm feeling depressed and anxious and worried about the environment, Barber said, then one of the best things I can do is go out in nature. So I hope you get out and enjoy the beauty around you. Enjoying the space where you live, where the, wherever you live, is important too. I think that falls more in the category of art, however. I'm talking about interior space. Interior design is a form of art. I believe we are made to seek beauty because it's good for us to enjoy. I especially love flowers, and I must not be the only one. <laughs> flowers are almost as popular during holidays and celebration as candy is in our culture. <laughs> flowers are much better for your health, though, of course. Research has also shown we have an innate need to see the sky and to be able to look off into the distance. It's a challenge for people who are in prison and in nursing homes to be able to do this, to be able to see off into the distance and to look at the sky. Videos just don't suffice. Not everyone can have a room with a view, I know. I know it's challenging for people who cannot walk to be able to get out into nature. Fortunately, many parks are designed to be handicapped accessible. After all, what's good for a person in a wheelchair is also good for a person with a stroller. I just read in the paper today that Lexington, my city, is spending $10 million of the American Rescue Plan Act funding given to the city from the federal government to build a park on the north side of town. That's exciting. I love parks. I'm so thankful to be within walking distance of the University of Kentucky and the Lexington Fayette Urban County Government's Arboretum. It has a beautiful flower garden, a woodland area, walking trails designed around all the different ecosystems in Kentucky. It also has a lovely children's garden I can take my grandchildren to, and I plan to do that as soon as possible. I think it's so important to teach children the value of nature. 
So let's close with some one-liner nature jokes. Here's the first one. How can you tell if the ocean is friendly? It waves. <laughs> what does seaweed say when it's stuck at the bottom of the sea? Kelp, kelp. <laughs> what do you say when the beach asks you to walk on it? Sure. <laughs> what did the Atlantic Ocean say to the Pacific Ocean? Nothing. Oceans don't talk, silly. They just wave. <laughs> what is the richest kind of air? Millionaire. <laughs> How do you learn more about spiders that live in the rainforest? You check out their website. What is the color of the wind? Blue. Some of these are bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Where does the sun hide at night? Just keep looking for it. It'll dawn on you soon. <laughs> what do you call an awesome geologist? A rock star. <laughs> I like that one. Those were cute jokes. I think they fall in the realm of what are known as dad jokes these days. <laughs> I hope you're having great weather where you live so you can get out and enjoy the beauties of nature more easily. And I hope you're going to make some happy memories getting out there and enjoying nature because memories last for a lifetime. Thank you for listening. And I hope you'll join us next week. And please comment wherever you enjoy listening to your podcasts. This is DG from Aging with Grace saying bye for now. Hello, listeners. This is Vladimir again. And thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the last episode. For more information about Aging with Grace, please go to agingwithgraceinfo.org. That's agingwithgraceinfo.org. Thank you and see you in the next one. The Health Club for Seniors is your kind of place, so come and join us 